Shalom, shalom. Welcome everyone to another episode of God's Little Hummingbird, the podcast where we are reading through the Bible from the beginning to the end using the original languages as a guide. There's no better time to get in the Word of God. And I want to do some special episodes because I'm talking with lots of people right now, seeing the signs of the times. But those special episodes are coming <laughs> probably after harvest. We, you know how it goes, those of you who are in the farming community and, and, and you, or have little homesteads, you know, you know, you know, you know. So what we're going to do, though, is do Deuteronomy chapter 24 today. And we're reading from the New King James Version Bible. Now, I apologize for not having had time recently to do a, a podcast. So I know I'm a couple weeks behind and I really do apologize. But please remember, if you have questions, reach out to me on Facebook and I will answer as soon as I can. And because I don't want to leave you hanging. And I know a lot of you do reach out and even just for prayer. And so please don't think you're bugging me. You are not. In fact, if I'm sleeping, which is very rarely, <laughs> about two and a half hours last night, um, I just turn my phone off. So you're never going to wake me up because I just, I make sure that you can contact me at any point you need. And I, I don't always get to the phone because we don't, being in where we live out in the country, I don't get good cell phone reception. Um, and we don't, I don't always check my phone with um, because I don't have it on me. So sometimes it does take a minute <laughs> for me to get back to it. But please, please, please know that I am here for you just as the servant of Elohim. And especially right now, as more and more of you are realizing, we better brace ourselves for the next seven years that are coming. I'm firmly convinced this is the Shemitah this year, the seventh year, the year of release. Things Yahweh has told me and shown me. I didn't know that at the beginning of the year, I suppose. I feel a little guilty. I, I should have asked and prayed, but now I do know. And I just want his people prepared to the best of our ability. And mostly that means having the clean hearts because he will provide provisions, but we need to make sure we are having clean hands and pure hearts. So please reach out if you need on Facebook through God's Little Hummingbird or find me at Melissa Shilling Smith on Facebook. Um, <clears throat> I don't always accept a friend request unless I know what your purpose is. So please send a message <laughs> with the friend request because you know, you know how that goes. Okay. So father God, please open our eyes, ears, and hearts to understand your truth today and your truth alone. Now this chapter hits at a lot of America right now. The divorce rates are horribly high. Now they do skew the fact because they'll say, um, so many people, blah, 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 and um, divorce. And what they'll often do, what often happens is one person who has a divorce actually has a history of doing multiple divorces. So the data is a bit skewed. But no matter what, even one divorce is too much. And so obviously you all know that the root of divorce is always selfishness. And whether it be the, the spouse who cheated because that's the only grounds for legal divorce in Yahweh's eyes, according to Yeshua in the New Testament, in the Britta Shah, the Renewed Covenant. And, 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 and so that is selfishness on their part, wickedness, not laying their lives down for their partner as they vowed. Um, by the way, can I interject a thought I just had before I lose it? <laughs> Today is Elul first on the Hebrew calendar. So it's the sixth month, the first day of the month. And... 
what that means to us folks is this is the 40 days of Teshuvah, of repentance. It is something you will feel the Holy Spirit do on your heart. He will be working on it on you extra hard because it's the 40 days before the day of judgment. Yom Kippurim, remember we talked about the day of coverings, it's literally plural there, but Yom Kippur is what they call it traditionally. Not not um, accurately according to scriptures, Yom HaKippurim, but still, my point being, these next 40 days leading up to the day of judgment are symbolic every year of you getting cleaned and purified before Yeshua judges the world, praying that you would be righteous and humble that he might hide you and might cover you from the coming judgment. None of us, as Paul says, none of us can judge ourselves yet. We can't say we're worthy. We need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And these 40 days in particular are a time set aside for us. And I know it doesn't say in scripture per se, but I will show you when we get to the book of Daniel where this 40 days is very, very relevant to the timeline of the end. In fact, this day, I believe um, very firmly, is the 1290th day. And so when you, if you'll, you'll, you'll study scripture and there's a 12, I'm sorry, when we get there in the book of Daniel in Revelations, it talks about three and a half years of judgments of the last part of the seven year covenant. So you have 1260 days, 1290 days, and then 1335 days. This day is, I believe, what Yahweh has shown me for years, Elul first, is what will coincide with the 1290th day of that period. And I do pray that Yahweh humbles us all. So divorce is one of the things that we really need to focus on right now because in America, people are getting divorced at horrible rates. And if you have had a divorce, there's hope. You can receive forgiveness, but you have to understand what you did was sin. And that's really hard for some people to understand because our hearts are so hard. We have a hard time understanding that even though Yeshua says it, that the only legal mean grounds for divorce is sexual impurity, sexual immorality, meaning they cheated on you, we want to justify other avenues. We, I will say this. If you are being beaten, I do know Yahweh makes provision for you to get to safety, right? And that's what he has told me. At the same point, he doesn't say you can break that covenant that you made to that person and divorce them. You just need to separate from them and pray for them because you need to be safe. But you still made a vow to that person. Your, your vow should have included the, the, the prayer for their salvation and that you would be there to help them make it to the other side. That's what that covenant with God really is, with Yahweh really is. We are the partner whether you're the man or the woman, you're the partner in the relationship who is to help wash the feet of this person more closely than anybody else. And I'm sorry, I'm a little emotional today with some things, but um, I know that I've been there, okay? My husband didn't ever beat me, so please don't misread into this. But I was there where I begged God, if I had to live in this situation another day, please don't let me wake up. 
And I love my husband and he's a wonderful man. So please don't misconstrue this. I'm simply reaching out to some of you and I'm not going to disclose the details. I promise you, I will not disclose the details. My husband is a wonderful man of God. But my point is, I have been there in desperation. And Yahweh came to me in two dreams and spoke to me. Which that doesn't happen much. Usually we just have dreams, right? Dreams are happening. In these two dreams, he physically came to me and spoke to me. And in both dreams, he said, you be there for him. Now, during this time, even my son was asking me to leave my husband. Um, one of my friends had, my pre old friends had asked me, she had thought maybe I was supposed to leave him because he wasn't repenting of things. My mother said, I don't know if you're supposed to divorce, but you can leave and do this. But Yahweh said, no. He said, your covenant was to that man. He goes, right now, Melissa, remove yourself from viewing yourself as the earthly wife who needs to be treated correctly. Remove that from your mind. <clears throat> he goes, and you view that man right now as a man in need of saving, as a man who needs the grace and salvation of Yeshua. You view him as a man held captive by Satan, and you do everything in your power to save, him, to help save him, like help Yahweh save him. I can't save him. Do you know what I mean? He said, you stop feeling the victim, Melissa, and you be there for him. He goes, I am enough for you. I love you. I am your husband. And that's, this is Yahweh speaking to me. He said, I am your husband. Keep your eyes on me. He goes, your earthly husband, yes, you have a covenant there. He goes, I get that, but I am your husband. He goes, no matter what you're going through now, you pray for him. You rebuke when he's sinning in, in a kind, gentle. I didn't always do that, right? I wasn't always kind and gentle. There was some anger involved, and I always got in trouble when I did it with anger because I got hurt, and that's what Yahweh would always say. You took it personal. Melissa, he is hurting me, not you. And that's what we have to remember, people. When we talk about this subject of divorce, we feel, because America teaches us, oh, my house just got buzzed literally within like 20 feet by an airplane. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so anyway, um, I, that just threw me off a little bit, guys. That was a little crazy. I literally, I mean, I'm not joking, but... Okay, here's a little side note. I will tell you how we bless and not curse. The people who spray chemicals out here hate me <laughs> because I won't allow them to spray chemicals or mosquito spray or anything like that on our property. We have an organic farm. And so they turn off. They only spray on very calm mornings. It's usually about four or five in the morning. So I'm out in the field and they stop at the edge of my property and they turn it on. But in doing so, after they are done spraying down the creek here, they come back and buzz our house every single time. <laughs> and somebody told me that that was them being angry. So we just get a chance every time they do that to pray for them and bless them. <laughs> because never, never um, throw fire for fire. So anyway, back to this divorce issue, guys. So when you made a covenant to that person, you said for better or worse. And most people don't mean that, okay? They think as long as you're treating me fine, then, that, then, then it's a deal. 
But if you break that covenant with how you treat me, then it's a deal breaker. And you're forgetting how you have kicked and spurned Elohim, how you have kicked at God. Have any of you ever celebrated Christmas, birthdays, Halloween? Have any of you ever broken the Sabbath? Have any of you ever eaten pork? Yet he forgave you. And not only that, he stayed there praying for you, interceding for you, helping you to cross that great divide. You do not have the legal right to leave someone simply because they are mean to you or not treating you correctly. Like I said, get to safety, get your, I, and yes, get to physical safety. And the Bible specifically says if they leave you, then they are free to go and you are free. But you are not to leave them. And there were days, I will confess, I prayed really hard that he would leave me. <laughs> okay, I know that's a horrible thought, but it was so bad, okay? But Yahweh didn't let that happen. And I will promise you guys, our marriage about, oh gosh, what year was it? 2000 and... Um, I'm trying to see, when did it take a turn for the better? It took a big turn for the better in about 2015. Well, no, 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 it didn't. That was, there was some hard things I was going through. But about 2018, we became the best friends that we were at the beginning. And now we always loved each other and we had many good times throughout that. But as he was getting cleaned, and I will also say, as he was patient with me while God was cleaning me in different areas, maybe not the same kind of sins. Like, remember the Bible says some people's sins are obvious. Okay, so my sins aren't always obvious. Mine had to do with the judgmental self-righteousness with which I was frustrated at his sin. But that's still a really big sin, even though other people didn't see it. And I had to recognize that in my heart. And he was there for me. So my point is, this chapter is going to hit hard because we don't, this is going to really show, this is really you laying down your life for your spouse, for your neighbor, for those you love, because that is your neighbor. Your spouse is your neighbor. He's somebody you love. Okay. So let's begin reading and let's look at this. When a man takes a wife and marries her, and it happens that she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some uncleanness in her. And he writes her a certificate of divorce, puts it in her hand, and sends her out of his house. When she has departed from his house and goes and becomes another man's. Now, the word wife isn't here, but we know that's what it's implying. If the latter husband detests her and writes her a certificate of divorce, puts it in her hand, and sends her out of his house. Or if the latter husband dies who took her as his wife, then her former husband who divorced her must not take her back to be his wife after she has been defiled. For that's an abomination before Yahweh, and you shall not bring sin on the land which Yahweh or Elohim is giving you as an inheritance. Okay, so the only uncleanness, Yeshua explained it to us. Go through the Gospels if you don't believe me. Google it. It'll be there. The only grounds for divorce is not alcoholism. It's not grumpiness. It's not narcissism. It is sexual immorality. If she or he physically cheats on you. If you found that and you wrote them a certificate of divorce, she goes, becomes another man's wife. That man doesn't want her. He's like, ooh, okay, I, I don't want her either. He writes her certificate of divorce. You can't take that wife back. Spiritually, this is a huge thing. 
if you have spiritually married or partaken in something that is unclean in God's eyes, basically when she repented of that sin, God doesn't want you to take it back, <laughs> even if it tries to come back. <laughs> so, I mean, yes, it's not the same picture. But here's another picture. This is very, this is when Yahweh literally shows that mercy triumphs. Because this is what we did. We were the unfaithful, unclean wife. The book of Hosea is very vivid on this, people. Go read the book of Hosea. Well, we'll read it together too, but go read it. The book of Hosea talks to the northern ten tribes of Israel. The, the southern kingdom wasn't being addressed in this situation, but it, it, I mean, it, at times it may come into play. But mostly this is talking to the ten northern tribes of Israel who were led by the tribe of Ephraim. If you remember, we talked about that. Now, they became very harlotrous. They had false idols in places of worship at Dan and Bethel, and the people would go there instead of Jerusalem, and they made up their own feasts. And the kings, in the book of Kings, I think it's 1 Kings 15 through 17, and then 18 and stuff, talks about all this stuff. They made up their own holidays. Oh, and actually, I think it's in chapter 12 as well, under the King Jeroboam. And we, so we basically joined to another man, Satan, right? Think of Satan as the false husband, all these demons that we were falsely worshiping. I say we because it's our ancestors. Well, then in the book of Hosea, it literally says that she will return and God will take her again. But do you notice here in the Torah, it says, no, 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 don't take her back. But then why would Yahweh go against his own Torah? Have you ever read the scripture where Paul says, all things are lawful for me? but not all things are beneficial. Have you read the verses where it says an eye for eye, tooth for tooth? Literally remember in Hebrews, eye under eye, hand under hand. That's where we're under the law. If you break the law, you're under the law. But yet Yeshua goes on to say, you've heard it said, you know, if, you know, to basically repay, pay back the person who did evil. But I'm telling you to bless those who cursed you. Pray for those who persecute you. This is where the heart of the Torah is so important to understand. And I know so many Messianics who miss this. If we don't show mercy, we have nothing. If I obey all 613 laws perfectly by the letter, but I don't understand mercy and love, like Yeshua says, you know, all these things you obey, but you forsake the greater commandments, mercy being one of them. You're missing what this Torah was about. Oh, legalistically, they said, oh my gosh, Yeshua and his disciples were picking heads of grain on the Sabbath. Oh my gosh, how horrible. And Yeshua's like, oh my gosh, we're hungry. We're not harvesting we're not working. We're not like carrying baskets on our on our backs and, and doing a big harvest. We're literally simply gathering that which we can eat right now. Because yesterday, for whatever reason, even though they're supposed to prepare on the sixth day, they didn't they didn't weren't able to cook things. So they were literally eating it raw, which actually is pretty good if you've ever done it. You take the heads of wheat, I grow spring wheat sometimes in my field and I love it. And you just rub those heads of grain in your um, hands and then all that shaft falls off and you can just chew it and it becomes like this gummy, <laughs> I don't know, yumminess in your mouth. But that's what they were doing. 
that's what they were doing. If my, like he said, your ox falls in the water or whatever, your ox falls in a hole, you're going to get it out. How much more should I not, why should I not heal this man who's sick on the Sabbath? So, you need, if your husband, let's say he did mistreat you. In one of my dreams, well, I think it actually was my husband's dream. He had a dream that he threw me away and didn't want me anymore. (laughs) So then I kind of went with this other guy, which I have no idea. I think that was Yahweh in the dream. I don't know, (laughs) but because I didn't go with any other guy. (laughs) But it could have been something spiritual in my heart as well. Anyway, he didn't want me, and then he realized he did. And I graciously accepted him back. And people, that's what God wants of you. He did it for you. Who do you think you are to hold a grudge? Who do you think you are to judgmentally say, oh, I don't think they're repentant enough. I don't think so. The only thing that would do that is Satan working through your heart. Now, I get it. Do some people lie? Do some people manipulate? Are there? Yes, I get it. And the Holy Spirit has revealed that to me at times. But Yeshua specifically says, forgive your brother 70 times 7, which indicates infinitely. If somebody says sorry, you don't have a right to hold it over their head. Because guess what? Your poo-poo stinks too. And just because you can't see it as obviously and you might follow the law, really well, and you didn't struggle in a certain area, doesn't mean you're better. And that was exactly what Yavi had to get through my heart with my husband. And and, and I am a very merciful person. And he even says that I'm the most forgiving person. I can literally hold nothing against anybody. When they say, sorry, boom, it's done. But I was angry at him every time he sinned. So that's where I have, I want to clarify where my sin was. And I did it in a self-righteous arrogance, like, how dare you do this? As opposed to, wow, this really hurts God's heart. This is what you've done against scripture. Let me pray for you. Let's help you overcome. This is not okay. You know, I did it with a judgmental arrogance, thinking like, oh my gosh, I would never do that. Even if those aren't the words I said, that's what Yahweh showed me it implied. And anyway, we need to show mercy. So yeah, Yahweh in the book of Jeremiah says he wrote us a certificate of divorce. But guess what? He says in the book of Hosea, he will bring us back despite that. So those of you who have left your husband incorrectly, which I know of one woman, I talked, I think we were talking in 2003. She realized she left her husband against Torah and Yahweh made a way for them to be back together. And she realized, it was just amazing. I mean, so don't, don't give up on miracles or hopes, but most importantly, if you have sinned, Hit your knees right now. Beg God to change your heart. Give you his heart in the matter. Get all wickedness out of your heart, out of the deepest, darkest crevice. That's what I always pray. And he will. And then let him lead you in this, okay? But ask for forgiveness right now because you did sin. (laughs) I don't care if they're an alcoholic. I don't care. You have to confess and recognize it as sin. And that is one of my biggest struggles with people is like, and I know my husband says he thinks I say sorry too much. But I'm like, no, I just, every little thing I recognize that I do wrong, I want, I realize I don't want to be that person and I want to say sorry for it. And I don't see that in many people. Usually there's this justification and they want to justify themselves. 
Um, now I, I, there's, I've had people falsely accuse me of things like recent, there's currently a family from who we've had to rescue somebody. Um, that <laughs> I guess, uh, anyway, yeah, they told me, um, anyway, it doesn't matter. The point being, they can be false accusers who say you're not repenting when they don't even see the three fingers pointing back at themselves. I get that. Okay. There's always, there's always, you know, the caveats, but my point is. We need to be the one who's humble. And what I always tell Yahweh, I don't care what anybody thinks to me, Yahweh. I want to be good in your eyes and right in your eyes. So even, because even recently he told me, like, he kind of twinged me, like, no, don't write a letter to these people and say sorry again. He goes, because honestly, they're sinning in these areas. And you've already said sorry. And I said, well, Father God, just so that I can make sure I'm the one bridging the gap and doing the bigger thing, can I just say sorry one more time? And it wasn't even per se, well, yeah. Sometimes it was imper- it was things that were perceived incorrectly, but I just wanted to meet them where they were and say, look, I'm really sorry. Um, even if I didn't do what they were thinking, it looked to them and felt to them a certain way. I wanted to acknowledge that and tell them, look, I would never hurt you. I'm really sorry about that. There were a lot of misunderstandings. And I didn't even bring in anything, tried not to bring in much of anything, only one thing that they were doing because they hadn't come to me. And I said, you know, I, I just want to say sorry. So I'm going to be that person. And I would just encourage you to be that person, guys. Like, let's be the people that it doesn't matter what anybody thinks of us. I just want God to be pleased with me, Yahweh to be pleased with me. So I'm going to say sorry even when I don't need to say sorry, so to speak. Or I don't, I'm going to say sorry even when the other person's the one who's more in the wrong or is in the wrong. I just want to be the one who makes peace, okay, and bridges the gap. And I don't want to put an offense out there that would cause God to lose his child because of me. Okay. Let's keep reading. That was, I know, but it's, man, it's like, if you could get this, this is really powerful for, especially today. If you're struggling with your spouse, this is really good. When a man has taken a new wife, he shall not go out to war or be charged with any business. He shall be free at home one year and bring happiness to his wife whom he has taken. Okay. I would like us to do that in America. I don't know that it means not to work. It just says be charged with any business such as like, like the king would often send people places and, you know, the battles, the, um, the army would have to go. So he couldn't, he didn't have to go to war. He got to be home. doesn't mean he was going to sit on his duff and not work. It means he gets to be home. And my husband and I did not have that because we lived in separate states, even though we were married. And then I was pregnant four months after we were married. Just like, anyway, just like Abraham and Sarah right after their vision. So um, I highly suggest taking a year to just enjoy each other. And yes, you have to work, but like, don't like go off to war if you can, or don't be in separate states. Like my husband and I, like literally I was in Minnesota. He was in Phoenix. Take that time to be together. It's a wonderful time to build your relationship. Okay. Let me get a drink. I'm so sorry. No man shall take the lower or the upper millstone in pledge for he takes one living one's living in pledge. Again, this is mercy. My gosh, if somebody comes to you and needs something, we already read the verse I believe we already read it, or maybe we're getting to it. But it says, open your hand wide. It doesn't say you give them 10% or you give them 5%. You open your hand wide until their hand, their need is met. And what often would happen, if somebody had to borrow money, then you would take something as pledge, saying they would pay you back. But gosh, people, that's all they have. Like they're already coming to you because they don't have anything. If you take away their upper and lower millstone, they can't even grind their own bread. Just be merciful, people. Now, I get it. I do not believe in welfare. I believe in humans being the ones reaching out. We have given, oh my gosh, well over $100,000 to people. Just give people, give people, give, give, give. 
just give when they need it. <laughs> Verse seven. Yeah, well, and the reason I say over a hundred thousand, because I know at my store alone, I must have given over 70 some thousand dollars just in food and stuff to people. Verse seven. If a man is found kidnapping any of his brethren of the children of Israel and mistreats him or sells him, then that kidnapper shall die and you shall pretty surely, I'm sorry, you shall put away the evil from among you. I think that's pretty self-explanatory, but if you like kidnap somebody to sell them like as a slave or if you use them as a slave, um, that's not okay. <laughs> yeah, that's just not okay. Um, I don't know. Spiritually, I guess that would, that would have, you could definitely see the implications in that too, but just like, don't do that. <laughs> Take heed in an outbreak of leprosy, which is the skin disease, that you carefully observe and do according to all that the priests, the Levites, shall teach you. Oh, not doctors, <laughs> but Levites? Wait a minute. Did we hear this again, people? Yes. <laughs> I love when Yahweh makes it so crystal clear we are not to go to doctors but him. So listen to what the Levites tell you. Why? Because... The Levites are going to be getting the message from God what this sin concerns. If it's a sin, or if it's a plague, or if it's a judgment, or if it's a test. So just as I commanded them, so you shall be careful to do. Because who, what? Yahweh says he's going to be the one commanding them. I command them this. Okay, so remember what Yahweh or Elohim did to Miriam on the way when you came out of Egypt. Remember, Miriam was stuck with, struck with leprosy because she spoke against Moses for taking the um, Egyptian wife. And so, I'm sorry, the Ethiopian wife, which my mother always felt was a sign, don't ever speak against interracial marriage. So, because he said Moses' wife was probably black. She was Ethiopian. And Miriam was in trouble for speaking against that. And so she always taught me, don't you ever speak against anybody, no matter what color they are, they are God's child. They just, anybody can come to Yahweh. <laughs> when you lend your brother anything, you shall not go into his house to get his pledge. Again, it's like these people sometimes who have money get really greedy because they want to make sure they're paid back. And Yahweh's saying, stop, stop. You shall stand outside and the man to whom you lend shall bring the pledge out to you. And if the man is poor, you shall not keep his pledge overnight. You shall in any case return the pledge to him again when the sun goes down that he may sleep in his own garment and bless you. And it shall be righteousness to you before Yahweh or Elohim. Do you see that's righteousness, people? Do you see that all things are lawful for me, not all things are beneficial? You could hold the pledge. But is, isn't it better like, to give them what they need? What if he all he had was his cloak, and my gosh, he's hungry, and he needs something, or he needs food, and so you take that cloak so he'll pay you back, and then he's cold that night. Goodness gracious, people, can we just be merciful? You shall not oppress a hired servant who is poor and needy, whether one of your brother or of the aliens who is in your land within your gates. And that is why, people, we have never lent our money at interest because who am I to say that the person wouldn't become an Israelite believer? Because people always say, well, you can charge interest to an alien. Gosh, again, I'm praying for that Gentile to come to God, to Yahweh, turn his heart over. So don't oppress anybody who's poor and needy, anybody. Don't oppress anybody, but especially if they're poor and needy. Each day you shall give him his wages and not let the sun go down on it, for he is poor and has set his heart on it, lest he cry out against you to Yahweh and it be sin to you. And we live by that. Our employees have always known, if you need your money, you come to us that day. And I just write the check right then. Fathers shall not be put to death for their children, nor shall children be put to death for their fathers. A person shall be put to death for his own sin. Pretty self-explanatory. It does they just come with a caveat because you pass on generational curses, but you aren't put to death for the curse of your parents per se. 
So there are generational curses that pass down. We read about um, where it says he will bless you to the thousandth, thousandth generation for obedience, but curse you to the fourth for disobedience. And so you do pass on a curse or a blessing, but at the same point, each child has their own ability to come to Yahweh and gain salvation. So you don't have to not obey God just because your father didn't, and you don't aren't going to be saved just because your father did. You shall not pervert justice through the stranger or the fatherless, nor take a widow's garment as a pledge. Because, oh my gosh, it's so hard for a widow to, to make ends meet. Man, she's got children and no husband, and that's hard. And you just make sure you take care of them. And the stranger, they're traveling through. They don't have the homeland. They don't have people there. And the fatherless, that's the, the you know, children of the widow, mostly. But, I mean, they don't, they don't have the same ability. A father is a huge blessing in a home. He is the provider, the head, that strength, the support, the encourager, the, the, the redeemer. He's just everything. We need him. And without him, our life is hard. But you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt, and Yahweh your Elohim redeemed you from there. Therefore, I command you to do this thing. Right? You were a sinner. You were a slave. Just remember the depth from which you've been dug. You show mercy. When you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, that Yahweh your Elohim may bless you in all the work of your hands. Notice he didn't say to give it to a modern American preacher. <laughs> he said for the stranger, that's a Gentile, the fatherless, because if you don't have a father, your mom's working really hard. I know that firsthand from my, my husband. Now, granted, I had a wonderful father, but I'm saying my husband's father was not there. And they had a rough life. And the widow. So I have a, somebody I know just lost her husband. And I am grieving so much for her. And I'm just praying God bless her and take care of her. Because she's got eight children. Seven at home. And I can't even imagine. So I just keep praying Yahweh's blessing and provision on her. Because can you imagine? I mean, you're trying to homeschool your children. Take care of your children. Work full time. My heart, I literally cry when I think about it. It's so heartbreaking. I can't even imagine having to do that. Take care of these people. If you see a little one in your house, if there's a little kid on the street, he doesn't have a father, you read the Bible to him. Okay, another little side story, sorry. So there was this little boy that used to live by us and play with my son when he was about seven or eight. And this little boy would come over and I would just read the Bible to him. I would just read the Bible because that's what we did at it. We did it twice a day as a family. And I would pull up, well, my son and I did it in the morning and then I would do it as all of us in the evening when Jim was home. And this little boy would love it. He loved to listen to the Bible stories with us. His name is Khalil. And one day he literally sat on the couch and he hit his fists on the couch and was like, oh my gosh, I wish my mommy would read the Bible to me like this. Guys, he wasn't fatherless per se, but he was in a tough situation. Just take him in, love on him. Feed them. You don't know how many kids we have fed and just had in our house. And take care of them. And read the Bible to them. <laughs> he loved it. When you beat your olive trees, you shall not go over the bows again. It shall be for the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. Again, this goes with leaving the edges of your field, which I think I kind of glanced over. Just don't use everything that God gives you for yourself. I mean, yes, it literally is talking about fields, but also spiritually. If you have $10, save one or two for the others. I mean, you don't need to use everything for yourself. Be generous, okay? Leave it for those who don't have anything. When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not glean it afterward. It shall be for the stranger, the father, and the widow. 
fatherless and the widow. Okay, so remember, these people would go through and get these too. So the best thing you can do is give somebody a job, not just give them money either. That's the best thing. Sometimes they can't, that doesn't work, but notice this. They had to go through the edges of the field and get the food. They had to go through the olive groves and get olive trees and get the olives. They had to gather their own grapes, right? You didn't gather them for them. So I think that's a huge picture too. Remember to give them a job. They can get it. Just leave it for them. But I don't think you just have to give handouts of money. Okay, and you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, therefore I commanded you to do this thing. You were enslaved in sin. You were just as wretched. Yahweh showed you mercy. May we all show mercy to those around us. Okay, that was a little bit long, but I love you all.